Welcome to From Caving In to Crushing It, the podcast for those who find themselves immersed in adversity and choose to write their story instead of having others write it for them. I'm Drew Duraney, and I'm your host. Tom Briggs, thanks for coming on, my friends. Good to see you. It's a pleasure to be with you here today, Drew. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, Tom, um, there have been people in my life I've known for my entire life and then people in my life who I've known for like three weeks. And there and I, there are some people I've met just recently and you're one of them who I feel like I've known you for like a long time and just could pick up. You know, you ever had a friend where you haven't talked to him for a while and then you can just pick up and it's like you never you pick up where you left off. That's how <laughs> it's, it, I, I can't explain. I don't know That's how to explain right. it. But, uh, nice. you know, we met in a networking event and then I. I happened to connect with you on LinkedIn, and then I saw that you were a podcast host, and I listened to one of your podcasts. It was was it Rod Jarrett? Was it what was the name? Rogers. Uh, sitting down with Jason Rogers. Jason yeah, Rogers. Olympic Olympic saber fencer. What an awesome episode! And I yeah, I'm listening to it. Dude. I'm thinking I got to get I got to get Mr. Briggs on my show. So I, I I'm really yeah. thankful you're here, my friend. Yeah. Um, I bring people on who I've known, gone through stuff in life, and made a choice not to retreat from them. Um, and, and instead became a better person because of the setbacks, not despite them. And and I really want would love for you to touch on how, you know, you had a defining moment in life where that kind of shook your foundation, because we're usually told in our belief system that if we do A, B, C and D, life's going to be linear and E's going to happen. And, and it's not like that. Yeah. So can you reach back as far as you can think about that defining moment where it was like a two by four hitting Tom upside the head and you were like, man, there's a better way to live. Why am I doing this? I'm going to make some changes and I'm going to be the best person I can be. That's going to help me live a, a, a more fruitful life. If you may. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, there's definitely one point in time drew and it's funny. So I'm, I'm 42 turned 40 a little bit ago little bit ago yeah. and crossing you know over over the hill was not nearly as wild or bad or rough for me as turning 30 for some reason there's <laughs> something about turning 30 of like okay yeah. i'm done with my 20s you know that's the time where you can kind of try things but i came to 30 and i was like oh my gosh i had this <laughs> mini maybe mega existential crisis. Yeah. Um, I was 10 years into my career. I was working for a family, actually, um, old friend of mine who, you know, we'd, we'd been journeying together a while, but it hit a point where I could tell, like, if I was being fully honest with myself, that it was time for us to part ways, mm. um, which was very, very difficult. Yeah. Um, you know, this, this person, I think thought we were gonna, you know, skip on down the path merrily together yep. until we retired as old men. Um, so to step away from that really challenged both that, you know, relationship and then just my conception of who I was and, uh, you know, how I was, was going in the world, um, you know, son of a workaholic. So I know looking back that I took way too much of my identity from my career, um, as a man, as a, you know, working professional, as a dad, I layered a lot on, you know, what am I doing nine to five? What right, am I putting right. out into the world? Right. Um, so much so that, you know, it hit the point where, <laughs> you know, no career can bear that much, you know, weight upon it. Nope. Uh, and it collapsed and honestly forced me, you know, kicked me into a little bit of a reset cycle where, you know, forced me to go way back to when I was way younger, kind of look at, you know, some of the family origin stuff that I came out of and really take a little pause and say, okay, 
how do I want to be, you know, if I get this hard reset, you know, the beauty of life is, you know, we all get a do over, you know, if, if we want it, you know, you just have to push that button. And sometimes that means, you know, nuking everything. Um, Fortunately, it wasn't that dramatic though. You know, if you asked me at the time, it would have felt like the world was upside down. The Titanic was slipping under the waves. Um, But yeah, very, very formative. Well, you know, a few things that you said, and one of the main things is people come into our life, right? And when they come in, I I think there's an assumption, at least there has been for me, that they're going to be on my, in my life forever. But there's that old adage that people come into your life for uh, was a season, a reason, or a lifetime, however order yeah. you do it. And yeah. it's true. And 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 I think most of us when we're young, we think people are going to be with us forever when we meet them. And so yeah. how was it for you? Um, did you have a belief that this partner, this friend of yours was going to be in your life forever? And And how did you go about that separation without like devastating yourself or, or, or him or your inner child or whatever the heck. Yeah. 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 It was wild. You know, I'd been walking with this guy, uh, since, you know, middle school, yeah. you know, we, we grew up together. We were right. uh, snowboarding buddies, you know, we, yeah. we'd cut school and go up and and ride at the mountain. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was challenging because I think I was further along in that journey. Um, I think when I brought it up to him, it hit him a little bit like the two by four, um, you know, and I thought, okay, this is going to be a typical two week severance. And then, you know, <laughs> came back in the next day. He's like, okay, you're done here. Get out now. I'm like, right. okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was, it was challenging. Um, but it really, by throwing me back on my heels, mm. it really forced me to unpack, um, you know, life, life is lessons, right? So, I mean, I look back and I learned so much about, um, uh, business culture formation, Mm -hmm. leadership, um, you know, what it means to, uh, stand on core values. Um, and then, you know, as I'm looking in, you know, going on in my career now, um, values alignment Mm -hmm. has been, you know, one of the key things. And I think that's one of the things that you mentioned earlier, you and I resonated on, you know, you can tell, um, it's always such a good yardstick where, Mm -hmm. you know, if I come across someone networking or if I'm, you know, considering, um, a collaboration, business collaboration, really leading with values. I found that's a really nice way to know from day one versus, you know, six, nine months down the road where you're talking past each other, you're fine. You can't stand each other. And it just, you know, it's not workable. Um, yeah. Values have been such a core component of, of guiding me in oh. been a North star. I agree. hundred, hundred percent. So, so take us, uh, when you ventured out and, 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 and what you really helped, uh, bring up, bring ab- about is that complacency is mm-hmm. a killer of innovation and creativity. And, and by you realizing that you were a little bit ahead of your partner and, and, and that broke off, you broke some complacency, which then enabled you to see things in a different way. And there are many people in life who are just complacent and they will comply with what they hear and they just travel through life on autopilot and not really live. You gave yourself yeah. an opportunity to live. So now that you gave yourself that opportunity, Tom, tell me how your life took off after that. 
I mean, the thing I learned, Drew, is that leaving a job is like working a muscle. You know, the first time you do it, it's you're you're biting your nails. It's terrifying. Mm. You put in a few more reps, and you realize, okay, I can get another gig. Um, yeah. You know, I'm I'm employable. This isn't yeah. the last possible job. Yeah. Um, but until you've done that and yeah. sort of uh, you know <laughs> jumped off the boat into the lifeboat or made that leap, um, it does seem insurmountable. Um, right. You know, the older I get, the more I realize. The hard things, the things that scare us are probably those things we need to do. Mm. Um, otherwise, it's just always going to be lurking there in your peripheral vision. It's mm. going to be whispering in your ear. Yeah. Um, and I think especially for men, you know, having, you know, overcoming challenge, yeah. um, we draw so much strength from that. And, you know, it affirms us as who we are. It shows, okay, we can take on hard things. Um, there's nothing that builds confidence like taking on a challenge and overcoming it. Um, you know, and it's it's it it sounds a little trite, but you know, honestly, like doing hard things. Um, it's a great book by a guy named Michael Easter okay. um, called The Comfort Crisis, and it's just all about how our society is not benefited by such a smooth path. Like we need to, as humans, we're wired to take on hard, challenging things. Um, it brings us to a better headspace. It keeps our neurochemistry in order and just makes us better, more fully functioning, um, entities. Well, agreed a hundred percent. And when you think about people who are scared of making a move, um, they, they then are in their own head, making assumptions of what the result will be if they do it. And 99 times out of 100, when you do it scared, the results mm. are nothing at all like you built up in your head. Yeah, right? Would, you, would yeah. you agree on that? Fear is such a, a powerful, you know, guiding force. It really um, is. And yeah, the more you can address it, Mm -hmm. look it in the eye, um, the better it will be. Um, you know, my, my backstory was, you know, in re looking back my family of origin, right. I'm like, man, I have a big problem with conflict. Like I do not <laughs> like to be in conflict okay. like, growing yeah. up. Yeah. You know, it wasn't, we were, it was, it, don't rock the boat. Don't, um, you know, don't cause a problem. Yeah. You know, it's not okay to not be okay was not the overtly spoken message, right. but definitely the implicit message throughout everything. So to overcome that and say, okay, you know, I'm not going to go out and <laughs> smash my head against every person I meet on the street, but there is a time and place for constructive, good conflict. Right. Um, because if you run from that, it fundamentally turns inside on yourself. Um, and then you you start to get into things like anxiety, depression, yeah. and it's yeah. just not a good, healthy road to go down. Yeah. Um, so figuring out to walk that road, um, you know, and be in healthy conflict and hold that tension yeah. and be able to sit with someone and say, you know, we're still in a relationship, but <laughs> um, you know, my wife can tell you, like, we've learned to um, disagree better over our marriage. I was terrible at it to start out. Like I would just, I wouldn't lose my mind. I wouldn't blow up. It was more like the sulky, just like accept whatever, you know, yeah. turn around and go to my corner. And she knew Absolutely. we yeah. still weren't okay. You know, yeah. and she kind of tried to pull me out. And then I was just, I was not very adept at playing that, you know, the well, conflict you, instrument. Uh, and and, you, and a lot of good points there because we, there's no class in middle school to teach you mm. how to deal with conflict um, more often than not, they teach you to shy away from conflict, right? Yeah. And yeah. and I think you, you get a really good point here about how men and women work well together or sh should be able to work well together. The divide that's happening in this country is one of my things that I'm very angry about. And I try to remove the labels. You think yeah. about this, this, 
each man and each woman have strengths. And in your mm. marriage, you were able to, you know, your wife has that intuition that women have, right? Yeah. And that's a good thing. And and men need to, 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 instead of being defensive and all that and resisting having helpful suggestions, it helps to learn the thinking language of the other gender, both sides. That's going to yeah. enhance relationships. I know in my in my marriage, which ended in divorce, our mode of um, of communication was I, I, I call it um, silent avoidance. Mm-hmm. We would communicate mm-hmm. in avoidance, and and yeah. so um, and that's the the thing about being afraid of conflict. And when you yeah. avoid it, you're not you're not solving anything. You're not addressing mm-hmm. the root cause. But you yeah. and your wife actually addressing things, you're hitting the root cause. We're hitting symptoms, you're hitting root causes. And I think that's a big yeah. lesson in life that you need to address root causes. Yeah, yeah. And knowing that, you know, it's going to be, it may be ugly the first yeah. few times, you may not do it well, and that's, right. okay. that's okay. Not feeling like you have to do it perfect from day one. Yeah. Like even just, you know, if you, <laughs> if you each move an inch toward each other, you're still moving toward, you know, Absolutely. you're, you're. Uh, stepping away from that avoidance, like um, just not addressing it uh, mentality. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. I love it. Somebody mentioned to me yesterday that the best way to go in life is try to improve 1% each day. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's huge. I mean, and I think that's, yeah, you would talk about core values. Yeah. Continual growth, continual evolution. Right. Um, yeah. I'm a, I'm a, I'm into martial arts. So you are? Okay. You know, and I, okay. I got into it after college because I right. realized, okay, I'm done with my formal structured education. Right. I need another ladder to climb. Like I was going out in the wide open world, which is fundamentally very unstructured. I'm like, mm-hmm. Holy cow. Mm-hmm. I need a nice to, yeah. to continue this ladder. I'm not going to go get a graduate degree right now. I have just about as much, uh, you know, student loan debt as I can handle, but Hey, this will keep me sharp physically. Um, it'll give me something, you know, as I was looking at, um, you know, I, I believe in staying in shape, um, and really just, you know, equipping good skills for life. And that's been a really nice way to sort of, um, you know, you talk about conflict and the arts I've studied, they're not conflict based, you know, it's not, um, you know, like going and smash the other person's face into the mat. It's more, what I've come to realize, Drew, is the biggest opponent I will ever face is myself. Absolutely. You know, that is ba- bigger than any like 500 pound dude I will face on the mat. Yeah. The opponent inside is wilier he's craftier like he'll try yeah. like he knows me better than i know myself like yeah. the shadow side holy cow yeah, yeah like you could battle that for a lifetime yeah well martial arts is great for uh preparing mental preparation for any kind of conflict yeah. right you're you're, yeah. you're preparing yeah. yourself and i think that's important in any part of life sorry so yeah you have all this growth all this stuff you learned tell me about epigraph did i pronounce that yeah. right okay epigraph yeah epigraph yeah. Tell me about what you're doing now professionally, how it how it has strengthened you or how you have strengthened your new business and where you're what you're doing now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So fundamentally, you know, my dad was a solopreneur, swore to myself I would never go into business for myself. (laughs) But you know, we are we are called by that which draws us. Yeah. Um, so yeah, an epigraph is that bit. Uh so if you're reading a book, you know, and before chapter one or before any chapter, there's that little bit of text that Mm -hmm. maybe it's a classic quote. Um, it basically shows that what follows stands on the shoulders of giants. It stands on, you know, our forebears who came before us. Mm -hmm. Um, in this moment. Moment, you know, I had this insight in 2020. We do well 
you know, to remember these lessons from the past, why, you know, humans are unique and that we can pass down knowledge. We have things like language that no other species on the earth can do. So why not tap into uh, lessons from the past, from psychology, sociology, philosophy, politics, um, to steer a wider, you know, smarter path forward because humanity, we're facing some really daunting, gnarly challenges. So why not? It's going to take all the lessons of our past from, you know, maybe the dominant culture, maybe people who didn't hold the mic in the past, who nonetheless had some great insights on the human condition. So Epigraph uh, is sits at the convergence of design and marketing. Yep. So we're a strategic branding consultancy. I've worked in branding, advertising, kind of if you're familiar with the marketing funnel model, mm-hmm. worked right. every level of that okay. with organizations ranging in scale from global fortune 50 all the way down to pre-venture stage startup. Um, so what I realized was, you know, I wanted to hang out my shingle um, and draw people into my orbit who who, you know, our values aligned organizations who are looking to make the world and advance um, the human collective and leave the world a little bit better place. Right. So I get to help companies like that um, communicate strategically, determine things like product market fit, look at their total addressable market. You know, if they're in the pre-venture stage and they're kind of trying to figure out, okay, where do we fit in? Uh, if you're familiar with blue ocean strategy, strategy, how do we avoid going head to head with Mm. the incumbents in the market and differentiate our service offering, our product offering as genuinely unique. Um, And that's a process, you know, you can do as a solo consultant, you can do as a global, you know, fortune 10 mega corporation. Um, There's a lot of similarities between those two. The dance steps are a little bit different, but the fundamental music in developing a strategic brand, um, you know, in this cultural moment is, is the same. Yeah. Do you have uh, specific industries with, with whom you work or size organizations or? Yeah, I work well with disruptive and disrupted industries. Wow. So looking Meaning at things like SaaS, SaaS, fintech, um, electrification, as far as transport, um, things that are a little bit tip of the spear. You know, maybe you know, think of things that we'll look back in 10 years and just be like, oh, wow didn't see that coming, but it changed everything. Um, I have a deep technical background. I've worked with a lot of, you know, brilliant engineers who are making amazing things, but maybe they struggle a little bit with articulating how does this world changing product, how do we explain it to the average consumer? How does it, how do we help it make sense? What can it fundamentally do? What does it bring to um, humanity and kind of advancing this thing? Right. Now you're, you're located in, in what, Southern California? Portland, Oregon. Oh, yeah, it's Portland, left Oregon. I, right, I knew you were on the US. West Coast. Is that right? So, yeah. so in Portland, Oregon, did you have? Was there a lot of um, like how how did you get into this type of field? Being in in Portland, was it what what got you into it? Was there something yeah. there? Uh, Portland is a creative hub. I okay. mean, you think of Portland. Um, so if you've heard of uh, Wyden Kennedy, you know mm-hmm. the big independent ad agency in the world. Yeah. Uh, they launched the the the. A house that launched Nike, um, you know, uh, the house that launched Just Do It. Okay. Um, yeah, so that's a huge, because Nike is here, we have a big soft goods ecosystem. So okay. Under Armour is here. 
Adidas North America, Columbia Sportswear, which owns Prana, Mountain Hardware. Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah. So we're a real hub for that. Um, and then the other big ecosystem here is uh, Intel, the microchip manufacturer. You did tell Um, me about Intel. I remember when. Yeah, based out of Santa Clara, but um, a huge presence up here. They have a couple of their very advanced manufacturing facilities uh, called Fabs here. So, I've. Across my career, I've kept a foot in each of those ecosystems. You know, from Nike, I learned, um, I mean, their brand craft is world-class. You look at Nike and they are just consistent. Their communication arts are just top tier. Um, And then working with Intel, a microchip is an amazing product. I mean, they're literally machining these elements of these things at one one hundred thousandth the width of a human hair like we're literally running up on the limitations of like physics and that's really cool but you know for the average person what does that mean oh you know it means i can have an hd zoom conference while streaming while checking that spreadsheet without my computer slowing down cool like the manufacturing is amazing. Yeah. Just tell me what it can do for me. Um, so yeah, my my background draws upon both of those. And in working with those players, you know, I've had the privilege to work with others in their ecosystem as far as tech, um, B2B, B2C. Um, it's a joy of what I do. I get to work with so many different types of companies. And fundamentally, I mean, like I said, I'm a lifelong learner. So right, right. I love jumping in. Um, my background is in technical writing and copywriting. So I'm very comfortable just jumping in over my head. You can't give me too much information. I always I tell like my clients, that. just bury me. I'll tell you, everybody, when you when you talk to Tom, he's like this all the time. And he he <laughs> he, he like fires me up. So this is uh mm-hmm. and uh, you know, there's so much about you, man. We could we could talk for for hours. Um, is there anything else you want to tell people about professionally that I may have missed? Um, no, man, I just want to say thanks. Uh, appreciate you and what you're doing. Um, you know, good people know good people. So I'm, I'm active on LinkedIn. I cast a pretty broad network. So if okay. anyone who's listening in wants to connect and, is just looking to, um, you know, pick a brain or just, you know, unpack things. I've touched a lot of stuff in brand strategy, positioning, career strategy. Um, I'm a coach mentor, um, at a couple different spaces. I mentor early stage startups at an incubator in New York. Um, yeah, always, always down for a good conversation. So just, you know, delighted that, you know, you and I can sit down and, uh, and drop the needle on, on this thing. Love it. All right. This is my favorite part of this. I have two final questions for you. So, Tom, you have an opportunity to sit down with seven to 10 year old Tom Briggs Mm. and you want to give him advice about life. What are you going to tell him? Yeah, such a good question. Um, You know what? For for seven to 10 me, that was that's such a good formative age. I would, you know, remind myself, find your tribe. You know, it's a big world. You can find your people. Um, I grew up in a pretty small town, pretty small school. So, you know, it was the typical clicks. And, you know, I was a little bit weird. I didn't slot into any of those typical ones. And I was like, oh my gosh, where, where do I fit? Um, I mean, the beauty of growing up now in this day and age, you know the entire world is as close as, Mm. you know, the closest computer screen. And you get these like weird subgroups of people who are into this TV show that was animated out of Japan in like the seventies. And they just share that affinity. So yeah, finding, find your people they're out there. Um, Just, just reminding myself of that. I love that. All right. So we're going to switch hats here and now you have the opportunity of sitting down with young 
Tom Briggs, the entrepreneur, new businessman, and you yeah. want to give him some business advice, what are you going to tell him? Um, the lessons are there if you're willing to accept them. It's all grist for the mill. It's all training, you know, the hard stuff, the good stuff. Um, just reminding myself to look for the lesson, even in those hard times. Um, you know, my dad's an executive coach and consultant. Yeah. So I've had like leadership um, dripped into me from a very early age. Um, and it's all, you know, I look back at all the, you know, my career at the time, I thought it was taking weird right angles. But looking back, you know, the privilege of anyone is you get to craft your, your story, you know, you get sure. to help that stuff make sense. And, you know, stuff like I took a summer off, uh, or one of my summers in college, I drove commercial water delivery trucks hmm. for a summer. And I was like, at the time that felt like, shouldn't I have been getting an internship, building my professional skills. But looking back, I learned to step into a realm I knew nothing about. I learned to deliver exceptional customer service, even when maybe the customer was, you know, a giant red faced guy on a yeah. big tractor who was losing yeah. his mind because mm -hmm. I had done something wrong. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> but just the lessons are always there um, for those who are willing to absorb them and see them from life. Um, yeah. What lessons can you take away and just use that. those to always be sharpening the saw, always be getting better. Uh, I, I love that message, Tom, because, you know, in, in the audience, there may be some of you who don't realize it, that there's a lesson around every corner, whether you take a left or right, go straight, go backwards, you're going to find a lesson. So I, I suggest you just look for that lesson because more often than not, when something really challenging happens in your life, it ends up being a gift. And I'll say wrapped in sandpaper, because if you wrap something in sandpaper, that's not too pretty, right? Why would I want to? You, there are opportunities everywhere. And if you can reframe rejection and turn it into a positive, you'll find yourself wanting to send a thank you note to, to, to people because uh, things happen for a reason. Find that reason. Tom, you are awesome, man. I want to, mm -hmm. I just want to say I'm grateful you're in my life. Thanks for being my friend, mm -hmm. man. And you're one yeah. of those people I've only known for like three or four weeks. And it feels like I've known you for three or four years or decades. So keep being who you are. You're a solid human being. You're doing some wonderful stuff for the, for people in your life and uh, keep doing it, man. Appreciate you. Thanks for putting out the good stuff you're putting out, Drew. All good All right. things. Absolutely. Be well, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe and give us a review to help others find it. If you find yourself immersed in adversity and would like to find support from other men in times of struggle, Please become a member of my Men Supporting Men Collaboration Tribe by emailing me at drew at profitcompassion.com, expressing your interest, and I'll get in touch with you. Speak to you soon.